Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latinx culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. The nature in Iceland is, is, is very dangerous. You know, wherever you are, whatever time of year, if you go up into the highlands, which, you know, most of Iceland is just the highlands, and we just live on the sort of on the coastline. But uh, if you go up to the highlands by yourself, whatever time of year, even in the height of summer, nature can be very cruel. Lawyer and writer Ragnar Jonasson. It's a dangerous place to be if you don't know what you're doing. And, and, and that's, like a, I think, a common theme in, in a lot of the crime fiction in Iceland. Iceland is a dangerous place, but crime is incredibly rare. There were only four homicides in the entire country last year, up from just two in 2021. What do you think makes Iceland such a good place to set crime fiction? I mean, it is the contrast. You know, you have this snow covering the whole, you know, country, and then you have this one drop of blood, you know, and the contrast in that is is quite strong. And that's, you know, this is this place has the appearance of, of a, you know, it's the most peaceful country in the world. And so, uh, you know, crime, crime stories set here, of course, create an interest. People in Iceland love reading crime fiction, and they love writing it, too. Even the Prime Minister of Iceland recently wrote a crime novel. So we got on a plane to talk with her about it and to figure out why in a country where the biggest threats are things like strong winds and getting lost, everyone is so interested in crime. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Are you sure this is the right line? I think that's it right there. Where? Right there. You're kidding? No. On a rainy day this past spring, criminal co-creator Lauren Spohr and I were in Reykjavik, trying to get to our meeting with the Prime Minister. Next to the Punk Museum? Yeah, absolutely. The Prime Minister's office is in a plain, white building downtown. You'd never guess it was the office of one of the most important people in the country. 
there's no fence around it, or guards outside. Right across from the Hard Rock Cafe? Oh, it is across from the Hard Rock Cafe. You can get out of America. Prime Minister Katrin Jakob's daughter has been in office since 2017. Before that, she was the country's Minister of Education, Science and Culture. She's also the chairperson of the country's left-green movement. But she's always been interested in crime. When she was elected, the New York Times wrote, A pacifist environmentalist, an expert on Icelandic crime thrillers, emerged on Thursday as Iceland's new prime minister. Before I became a politician, uh, I studied Icelandic crime fiction. Um, And what I think is interesting is that we have relatively many people writing crime fiction, and they are very different. We talked with the prime minister in a sitting room in her office. It was incredibly casual and relaxed. Iceland is one of the safest countries in the world. It's number one on the global peace index. Most police are unarmed. And in the entire country, there are only five prisons, which can hold 150 people total. I think the interest in crime in Iceland is maybe because we have been so privileged that crime isn't really very common here in Iceland. Uh, So we like to read about it. Uh, And I think sometimes it's an interesting opposition, really. The prime minister's book is called Reykjavik. It's about a young girl who goes missing in the 1950s from a remote island called Vide, off the coast of Reykjavik. The prime minister co-wrote it with Ragnar Jonasson, who was there with us at the prime minister's office. He's a best-selling crime writer, and he started a crime-writing festival called Iceland Noir. He met the prime minister a few years ago when they were both on a committee judging the best translated crime novels in Iceland. I mean, I'd known for a long time that he wanted to write a book. I mean, and, uh, and then I just had this idea, you know, why not do this together? And so I just asked her, you know, should we do a crime, crime novel together? And I, I wasn't sure she would say yes, but she did. And, and then I wasn't sure she would actually go through with it, but, uh, but she did. Ragnar had an idea how it would all begin, you know, what would really be the start of the book. Um, but this young lady disappearing from this island very close to Reykjavik. And I think that's something that Icelanders relate very strongly to, because even though we don't have a lot of crime, we ha- often have people disappearing simply because of the very tough nature- natural circumstances. We have the ocean around us where people disappear. We have people simply getting lost in the wilderness, etc. So, so we also have kind of a dark thread there, which is something that we used. Icelandic crime fiction is part of a whole genre of crime novels called Nordic Noir, set in the countries in and around Scandinavia. The genre is often described as bleak and gritty, It includes books like Stieg Larsson's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which became the first ever book to sell more than a million e-book copies. In 2010, The Economist wrote about the phenomenon of crime novels coming out of Nordic countries, writing, quote, 
The protection offered by a cradle-to-grave welfare system hides a dark underside. I think the societal structure is also interesting because, uh, and I think that's, of course, the reason that Nordic Noir is popular because it's, it is set in a Nordic welfare society, which is interesting for an author to probe under the surface and, and find really what's happening beneath the surface in a, in, a, in a Nordic welfare society. And we have many stories that revolve really around that, that things aren't as good as they look. You know, and even the way it's interesting to have the crime fiction come out of this country. I mean, the prison system here is so different. The gun violence is so different. I mean, it's it's so interesting that you have such a a, a wealth of crime fiction coming from a country which handles crime pretty well, I would say, compared to the U.S. And there's major differences here between the two countries. Yeah, well, we we really think of crime as a societal issue and and not the issue of each individual. So, And I think the reason that where societies don't have a lot of crime is that they are relatively equal and inclusive. Uh, that's my political, <laughs> political vision. Um, but I also think that uh, the changes that happened in Icelandic society after World War II, when, because before... That you could say that Iceland was mainly a rural society, and then we have the making of a city here in Reykjavik, and a new kind of societal structures appear, which make Iceland really a perfect setting for crime fiction. Even though it's a small country, you can't really know everybody in this new society of uh, of a modern city. Many Icelandic crime novels are set in Reykjavik, including those by one of the most famous Icelandic crime writers, Arnoldur Indridesen. He started writing crime fiction in the late 90s after working as a journalist. Before his books, people thought that crime stories set in Iceland didn't really work because it's so safe there. He once said in an interview, this is the challenge you're faced with, to be realistic and believable. You can never use easy solutions, solve the matter with a gunfight. You need to burrow into the characters, look for a psychological, intrinsic solution, rather than an external, explosive solution. The Prime Minister wrote about his work for her master's degree dissertation, and about how early crime fiction from outside of Iceland helped influence modern-day Icelandic noir. It's interesting that when we see the crime fiction really being born as a genre with Edgar Allan Poe and uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, etc., uh, it, it, those stories and books are translated into Icelandic very quickly, just a few years after they are published in the native language. So, so obviously there was a very strong interest in this new trend here in Iceland from the very beginning. And we saw... Uh, Icelandic novels being published that were kind of, yeah, well, uh, imitating this new genre. We have actually a story called An Icelandic Sherlock Holmes, which uh, tells a story about a, an amateur private investigator, etc. So, so I think uh, we were pretty quick to really discover this trend and, and making our own version of it. But still, I, I would say that the crime... 
fiction genre didn't become acceptable in Iceland until maybe around the year 2000, when it became really acceptable and part of a very strong literary genre here in Iceland, before it was considered to be more, well... Lowbrow. Uh, Lowbrow, exactly. But I think we can actually, we can even go back further. I mean, uh, to the Icelandic sagas, I mean, from the Middle Ages, some of those stories really are crime thrillers, even like legal, thr legal thrillers. So we have this very strong heritage dating back centuries of writing crime fiction in a way. The Icelandic sagas were written about 800 years ago. They tell the story of the people who settled Iceland, often following them for generations, and are written almost like modern novels in a simple, straightforward style. They're about families, conflict, and everyday life. And uh, I think that's also a part of why we write and read so much, because, you know, our, our, our heritage is the sagas much more than, like, anything else. I mean, we, we don't have this, you know, that other, you know, nations have heritage of, you know, architecture or art in a way from that, from that period. I mean, we have the books, we have the stories. We'll be right back. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Support for Criminal comes from Factor. After a long day at work, sometimes the most convenient dinner option is ordering takeout. But if you make a habit of it, it can get pricey. Factor offers restaurant-quality, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your doorstep. Factor's meals are both nutritious and tasty, and you can choose from more than 35 different options weekly. They have a variety of meal types to fit your needs, too, like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, with plenty of delicious add-ons also. I've tried Factor meals myself. Lately, I've enjoyed their shredded chicken taco bowl and Thai-roasted vegetable green curry. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. You can also pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 and use code Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code Phoebe50 at factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. The Prime Minister of Iceland has said her background in crime fiction helped prepare her for her role in government, saying that it, quote, is about not really trusting anyone, and that's generally how politics works. She's also said, every politician needs to have something to take his or her mind off the daily business of politics. She's described crime fiction as, quote, very therapeutic. One of her favorite authors is Agatha Christie. 
she has been very influential. But then I read everything, you know, Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, uh, Dorothy L. Sayers, etc. I read all of those. So, so I kind of, I really, you know, it it's so. And when you have read so many crime novels, it's so enjoyable when you kind of find one that you don't see through and you're actually surprised <laughs> when, you, when the ending comes. People in Iceland read a lot, an average of 2.3 books every month. On Christmas Eve, there's a tradition called the Christmas Book Flood. And there's an Icelandic saying that everyone gives birth to a book. The phrase literally translates to everyone has a book in their stomach. It's reported that one in ten Icelanders will publish one in their lifetime. People tend to think that it's kind of normal to write books. How did you? F- how do you find time? You know, both of you do other things, obviously. How did you find time to write? Did you write at night? Did you send chapters back and forth at night after the work of the day was over? Well, it took a long time. You know, we were writing this book for two years yeah more than two plus years more yeah. than two years because we don't have you know we don't have any time but obviously during the pandemic you kind of the routine was a little bit different so that created some time at least for me who normally is out on meetings every night and and doing meeting people which you didn't do during the pandemic so all of a sudden instead of just watching netflix or something to relax we were creating our own story. But it was obviously a little bit, you know, a, a strange experience to do this with a prime minister. You know, when I called her, you know, to ask how this chapter was progressing and that chapter, she was having meetings with the uh, prime minister of Britain or or the, you know, heads of states all over the world. And it's a, it's a strange conversation to have. You know, I have to jump out of this meeting with, with the prime minister of, of the UK to speak to you and I mean how do you respond to that that's just like a <laughs> it's a bizarre scenario it's uh it requires a lot of patience obviously for the <laughs> co-author um but it was uh but the good thing was I would never probably have written it alone because he kept pushing it really until we had a, a finished manuscript and even then I said okay here we have a manuscript it's probably not good enough so the biggest surprise for me was when actually we were in the process of saying, okay, it's going to be published. Then it became very real. And then I got a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was probably the only point, you know, only time she got really mad at me during, during this process was during the editing, because I hate editing books. Uh, so I was sort of stalling on that, you know, writing something else. And then I got this call from the prime minister one day last summer and she was you know she was angry at me she was like you need to finish this editing so we can move on and and that again that's a new experience to get like a call from the prime minister of, of your country you know telling you off a little bit for so but i would yeah. be the same you know you know it doesn't matter if my job doesn't matter because this is just who i am <laughs> <laughs> keep calling people and telling them what to do <laughs> are you ready to write another one no, not ready. Of course uh, we are, yeah. No, no. I'm not saying it won't happen at some point, but uh, somehow time has been filled with a lot of stuff. So, so no, we haven't started that. No, we haven't one. started. But it's, not, it's an ongoing conversation. 
basically, you know, me saying that we should start and she's saying no, but I think we'll figure it out. There was one other person I wanted to talk with about crime and crime fiction in Iceland. His name is Peter Guomensen, and he deals with both. How many people do what you do in Iceland? Uh, I'm pretty much the only one. Uh, most of the time, it's just me. Peter Guomensen is a forensic pathologist who works in Reykjavik. Before he took the job a few years ago, there were no forensic pathologists based in Iceland at all. He and a colleague, who flies in once a month, handle all of the autopsies done in the entire country, which has a population of about 380,000 people. Do you know any other countries where there's only one forensic pathologist? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No westernized countries, at least, I think. He and his colleague work with the police to investigate sudden and unexplained deaths in Iceland. Although murders are rare in Iceland, he says suspicious deaths are more common, at least double the homicide rate. So our role in the investigation is, of course, also like ruling out homicide when something appears to be a homicide. What is your day? What is your your typical day like? I mean, are you, you know, I, I assume you're not working on any homicides today. No, not physically, but we have had some uh, homicides. We have had, I have, uh, in June, we had three homicides. So, so uh, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of work involved in these cases, even if you're not standing and autopsying them. But the normal day is I, I come in and there is, I mean, people have died, uh, they're brought here, and the majority of the day is, of course, uh, standing with the, the bodies and autopsying. And at the end of the autopsy, you can say, it's uh, this. Uh, it was that kind of force, it hit him in that place, then it went through the this artery, uh, released this amount of blood, and that's the why the person died. You have the... Like you have built up the whole chain before your eyes, um, the chain of uh, causation. Uh, that's the job. And it's really interesting sometimes coming in and seeing what's happened. And of course, usually, uh, if there is something interesting, you see it on the news before you, <laughs> before you come in that something has happened, some big accident or something. And because you're the only guy there, you know you're probably going to get to see that individual at some point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you're uh, having a nice weekend at home or something and you're hoping for an easy weekend, or easy following week at work and then there is on the news, car accidents and whatever, and then you, and you know beforehand that your week won't be as as easy as you hoped for. So, uh, because it's also such a small country that everything makes headlines, even uh, small happenings. Peter Guomensen became Iceland's only forensic pathologist in 2018. And then he started getting questions 
from Icelandic crime writers. What types of questions do they ask? You couldn't really, like, generalize anything because the the nature of the questions is most often that they are really, really specific. It's like, uh, how long does it take to die if half of your body is immersed in 70-degree cold water? <laughs> and so on. And what does a, how does a body smell that has been confined in a uh, metallic tank for 17 years? So it's, it's very specific questions. He told me he's even gotten questions like, can a dead body make a sound or change position? Eventually, he got so many questions from so many writers that he decided to just teach a class on it. In the last three years, I think I'm, I'm right, uh, I have had every fall and every spring at least one course, and it has been uh, close to full or full. So, I mean, criminal writers, they have a serious interest, a professional interest in uh, forensic medicine and pathology for their profession. So... So I offer them a chance for starting with the basics to gain insight into what we are dealing with, how we think, what are the problems, what is difficult, what is easy, what can we say, what what would we be able to say, and, and so on. Do you get the sense that, that these authors are really trying to get the details right you know that the the people who come to your your workshops, your lectures are are there because they they want to make what they're writing as realistic as possible. That that really matters to them. Yeah, I've had conversation with authors that are really ambitious to to um, having it right, like it is in reality, and I I'm sitting there or and talking to them, and I I and they have like this this divine power of fiction in their hand they can take and they can say whatever they want and i t- i tell them you can you don't have to keep it like it, it like it is in reality not because you can write whatever you want and it surprises me uh, that's the thing it surprises me that authors uh, when they get stuck in this uh, fixing fi- fixating on the problem of writing like reality because it's it's a kind of a a backwards thing if you just think about it because they are writing fiction why do you think i mean with there's so there's so few violent deaths murders in iceland why do you think that crime fiction is so popular there yeah it is a very very popular genre uh here in Iceland, as well as in probably other Nordic countries also. I think people are somehow drawn towards the subject uh, and they find it interesting. Why do people die? Who done it? And so forth. I mean, maybe people are even more interested in it there because they see it so, so rarely. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, if you have a homicide here, uh, uh, despite uh, how like unusual or interesting it really is, 
then it will make headlines in every uh, media, of course, and everyone will know about it in within like 45 minutes or something. Um, it's a small community. It's true. And, and people like, uh, people are interested in it. If there is like evil or something bad happens or so it's, it's, it, it, it's close to them. He told me he personally doesn't read much crime fiction. I don't. I've, I've read a few of the Icelandic authors and, uh, yeah, I think I get plenty of, of death and and all these things during the workday. <laughs> You've seen enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we We recently spoke with the Prime Minister of Iceland about her new crime novel. Did she ask you any questions? No. <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> well, I think she's maybe going to write another one, so she might call. Oh, nice. I look forward to it. <laughs> Reykjavik, a crime story, written by Prime Minister Katrin Jakobsdottir and Ragnar Jonasson, will be out in the U.S. this September. Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Lily Clark, Lena Sillison, Sam Kim, and Megan Kinane. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com. And if you're a fan of crime fiction, you might enjoy Phoebe Reads a Mystery, a show where I read classic crime novels. Our latest book is The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I've also read books like Arthur Conan Doyle's The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes and The Mysterious Affair at Styles by Agatha Christie. You can listen back through our entire catalog, 25 books total, and look out for new books coming soon. And if you want to hear Phoebe Reads a Mystery or any of the shows we make with no ads, check out Criminal Plus. Learn more at thisiscriminal.com slash plus. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show and Instagram at Criminal underscore podcast. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal.